Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Lacey, we're back. What's up in the workplace? Yeah, happy to be here. I am glad we're doing this again. This is always fun. Yeah, it should be good. This is going to be a good one. We're going to throw some data at some of our listeners today. Yes. Uh, you ran across this uh, report. What, what's the report? So the report is from Glassdoor, and it is a statistical reference guide for recruiters. And I think just really for anybody in general, yeah. any any organization that's looking to try to lead the market, really. Yeah. Uh, 50 HR and recruiting statistics for 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was, I think, geared more towards recruiters. But as I was looking through the data, I'm like, actual business owners and HR people would need to know this too, not, not just recruiters. Right. So I, I, I'm I, glad I, you forwarded this to me because I think it's really interesting. You're using this for a workshop you have coming up, right? I actually used it in a workshop I did last week. So yeah. um, I taught strategic hiring here mm-hmm. at Zenium. And incorporated some of these statistics into that because wow. really, I mean, employers are are looking at how do we differentiate ourselves in the marketplace. And so I thought some of this information was, was helpful and yeah. really resonated with me. It's what I'm seeing and hearing from the companies that I'm working with. So, yeah. So one thing I want to note before we dive through some of this data is we're going to mention a lot of different numbers and we're, we're going to elaborate on that. There are different sources for each of the data points. Mm-hmm. So what we'll do is we'll put a link up to the PDF that Glassdoor put out and they have their sources of where they got the information to to go through it and then to cite it every time would be very uh, boring for, for you listeners yes. and for us. So what I'll do is I'll just put a link up to the PDF so you can actually find out where exactly they got the stat. And some of it was a mixture of their own data mm-hmm. and it looked like Gallup polls and census data yeah. and all that. So they did a pretty good job of kind of putting it all together and making it meaningful for I think audience. so yeah and I like the the variety of the sources I think it it speaks to the fact that this is this is real stuff that's yep. happening out there yep okay so I want to start things off with a bang here I I ran across one stat and you have it highlighted I see it on on your side too this is probably one we both chose 66 percent of millennials expect to leave their organization by 2020 yeah I don't even know what I'm doing next week. <laughs> how do yeah. how could people even respond that way? It's just fascinating to me. Well, I, I think it it comes some from the data that there's research out there that says that millennials will only stay in a job for 12 to 24 months. Yeah. So I think it's it's the market, right? It's hot here in Portland. It's really kind of hot everywhere. everywhere. And the the number of jobs out there really outnumbers the number of people that are actively looking. So yeah. Um, I think that that it's not surprising to see that millennials are considering that or would consider having those kinds of conversations. It just probably means that they don't see any opportunity for growth there right. or they'll maximize their growth by you know that time period and then jump 
somewhere else that right. either pays more or has more growth opportunity. Yeah. So I think it's like for employers, it's a big wake up call to say, okay, if they're only going to stay here a few more years, what do we do to either get the most out of them, develop them so maybe they want to stay? And what can we do from a culture standpoint mm-hmm. to keep them hooked? Yeah, I think employers need to be looking at that and also accepting of the fact that there may be positions within your company that are going to be higher turnover. So what are what are the right kind of people to put into those roles and to not get discouraged when you have a position that didn't used to be a high turnover position, but now has become one. So finding ways to get information about what's happening. Is it the market? Is it the company? Are we stagnant? Doing stay interviews, exit interviews with people that are leaving to get that information? Because I think it's different probably for each organization. Crazy stat though. Yeah. What do you have? Okay. So um, something I thought that was interesting in here, it says that organizations that invest in a strong candidate experience, so this is on the hiring side, Mm -hmm. improve their quality of hires by 70%. And I think that is so true. And when I'm talking with organizations about you know, different people practices and systems that they're putting into place. I really try to hone in on how important the hiring process is. I think most employee relations issues stem from either not giving feedback to people or not making a good decision during the hiring process. And it goes both ways. So candidates that have this great experience when they're, you know, applying for, you know, to work at your organization, you know, you're going to have a much better chance of getting somebody that's going to be a good fit if their experience is is good. So that's talk, what this talk is about saying. some of the ways that somebody can improve their candidate experience mm-hmm. because it probably touches a lot of different things along the way, like a probably a phone screen, an interview, right. like what, what are things that employers could really enhance I think having a consistent process just to start with is important so that your employer brand is shining through. Mm-hmm. Following up with people, we just did the um, the video on ghosting. Yeah. So don't, don't ghost your candidates. Make sure that you're following up with them. Stay engaged with them in the process. Giving people a realistic job preview, I think, is really important too. So having them meet with other people on the team, doing tours, even sort of shadowing or watching some of the work yeah. be done. I think those are things that organizations can can do to make sure that the candidate experience is good. The other thing that is important in the market that we have now is to be quick to make decisions. Smart decisions. Yeah, that's interesting. But be quick because people are probably interviewing with more than one company and they may be sort of debating what to do and they may be getting an offer from another organization quicker than you're moving. So yeah. don't be slow. Do you remember, and I think the stats are on that same page, the the time to hire, the date, the number of days? What's the, I think it's right here in this Yeah, it says the average opening sat unfilled for 28.1 days in 2016, which was up from 19.3 days. Interesting. 2001 to 2003. So to me, those data points that you just talked about go hand in hand with that. They do. If you're not creating a good experience, moving things fast along, you might lose these people. Absolutely. Yeah. And and in 2001, 2003, the market was different. We There were different people available. So it's also saying in here, the ratio right now of unemployed Americans to open jobs is 1.4 to 1. And it was 6.6 to 1 in the recession. Jeez. Yeah. So it this is real. This is yeah. why employers are struggling to fill these jobs. And so, you know, why we need to be so focused on retention. There is another stat that actually... It, ties in nicely with the uh, the candidate experience mm-hmm. is the employer branding side, which yes. is really that the marketing, that that culture, the thing that's visible to candidates before they kind of get through that candidate experience. And it said that 
organizations that invest in employer branding are three times more likely to have a quality hire. Yeah. That's telling in itself. Totally you're, you're makes basically sense. going to draw in people that like the look of your culture, maybe mm-hmm. have the same values and you're basically speaking to them before they ever sort of opt in to yeah. the experience. Yeah. And it's not just whether people have the knowledge, skills and abilities to do the job, right? It's, it's whether they have that cultural fit and they're going to behave in a way that emulates your company's values. So it also mentions here um, in this report that the majority of Glassdoor users um, read seven reviews before forming an opinion of the company. So that's part of your brand too. So if you, if our listeners, if you have not gone on Glassdoor and you are not looking to see what your rating is and you know, there's the CEO rating, there's your organizational rating, there's People can leave qualitative reviews on there just like they can on Yelp or any, yep. you know, other of those sites. And they hold a um, lot of you weight. You should be. They hold a ton of weight. So you really should be looking at that. And we want authentic feedback. Yeah. So I would encourage companies to reply to all of those reviews. Be thoughtful about it. Um, encourage people, your current employees, to go on there and, and give feedback too. It's just interesting that people are, they're really looking at that it's when crazy. they form their opinions. What's bizarre, uh, recently, within the last couple of weeks, I was talking with uh, our VP of HR, Tana Thompson, and we were talking about Glassdoor and how it's become such a, an important piece. And I'm not, I'm not, we're not trying to purposely put, plug Glassdoor because this is their report. I'm just trying to to illustrate the fact that Glassdoor is a huge component to employer branding. It is. And if you don't pay attention to it, that's a huge miss on your part because you may have negative reviews. You may have people like really looking at the profile before they start, you know, applying for jobs or, or you may have something that you're just completely missing. One other thing I just wanted to note from a marketing standpoint is search engine optimization is one of my, like my, you know, skill sets, right? Mm-hmm. Making our website get rank high on Google and other mm-hmm. content, right? Well, if you Google your brand keyword, mo- more than likely, and this goes true for anybody, more than likely, you're going to have your website as number one and Glassdoor is always number two. Really? Always. Always. So go, if you're listening, so what go would try you, it out. So what would you Google if you were So if I it? typed in Zen EMHR, okay. the website would be number one, uh-huh. Glassdoor would be number two. And the thing about Glassdoor that makes it interesting is that they have... Uh, metadata and little short snippets that uh, Google's starting to pull through the search engine uh, listings. Mm -hmm. So they'll bring in the rating, the stars. And so that as a user, you're looking at the first... It's your visual It is. So here's the thing is, if you're looking at search engine rankings, you you basically have top three results above the fold. Okay, the website shows Mm -hmm. maybe some pages underneath. And then the second is Glassdoor, but it has the star rating. Well, as a candidate, you'd be like, ding, ding, ding. I'm going to go look at the ratings. Yeah. And it, it's immediate and you go start reading reviews. Right. So pay attention to this. I mean, it's not going away. No. And Glassdoor says that boosting employee satisfaction by one Glassdoor rating point raises your market value of your organization by 7.9%. How do they even calculate that? I don't know. I'm curious about that, but... It, it is interesting. And you think about it, when you have happy, engaged yeah. employees, they are more productive. More productive employees leads to an organization that is, you know, delivering on on what they're supposed to be, producing goods, providing service, whatever, whatever your company does. I think it makes sense. Yeah. When people are happy, they do better work. There's another stat that I... I wanted to bring up before we kind of shift gears because a lot of this is tied to benefits and comp, and I want to make sure we have time for that. The report said that an average of 7.6 job sites are used during the the job seeking process. Mm-hmm. So we, we you know we're talking about Glassdoor and how much 
weight that holds. But there's also a lot of other websites and job boards and job postings out there that people are using to find the right job. You mm-hmm. know, LinkedIn, Indeed, right? Uh, you know, Career Builder, Monster, all those mm-hmm. different sites. Uh, so I think putting all your eggs in one basket would be a bad idea. Agreed. Agreed. I think um, spreading the love across some of these job sites would be a good idea. Yeah, and and looking at for your industry too. You know, are there networking sites? Are there newsletters that you can post in? The question that I usually throw out to to clients is, you know, if you were going to start looking for another job, what site would you go to? Because yeah. we should be looking at posting on those sites. So I shared that statistic in the, tr- the hiring training that I did just to get people thinking about, you know, if you're posting to two or three sites, you're missing out. Yep. Because what this data is telling us is that people are broadening their search. They're not just going to Indeed. They're not just going to Craigslist anymore. Yeah. So we it's need to be thoughtful. all of the above. Right? Yeah, for sure. The, you know, this is interesting, but I've, I ran across one of those stats that was talking about CEO approval, because if you notice on Glassdoor, they have like the ratings for CEO mm-hmm. approval. And that's just part of, I think, the review process. But what they found was that if you want to correlate uh, a really high CEO approval, there's three factors mm-hmm. at play. Employee satisfaction. Uh, with Yeah, employee satisfaction satisfaction with senior leadership so not yes. just the ceo right the executive team and senior leadership team and then satisfaction with career opportunities yeah i wholeheartedly agree with all of these things oh so do i i think that the the ceo is a reflection of all of that and lots 100%. more yep. but agreed um agreed so because of that good or bad the ceos is sort of going to have to be held accountable yes. to how those show people because, show up, how yeah. this shows up within the organization. Absolutely. These are things that they can directly control or indirectly based on people they hire. Right. Yep. Okay. So let's shift gears a little bit. Okay. There's a, a, a section on pay and benefits mm-hmm. and all that. You have some stats on there. Let's, I do. let's go through some of those. So, you know, when we're talking about just high job satisfaction. Obviously that correlates to, you know, your organization performing better. This says that 84% of employees with high benefit satisfaction report high job satisfaction. Sort of seems like yeah. a no, no-brainer, yeah. right? But when we're talking about benefits as we kind of go through this, would want the listeners to really think about things outside of just your health plan, yeah. right? Because total rewards has really, like the door has just been busted open and employers are getting really creative with the perks and benefits that they're offering. So I think that's what this is speaking to is, you know, work-life balance, flexibility, some of those yeah. things that are intangible too. Yeah, we, we found it in our, and we'll have some stats when, we, when we're finally done with the survey, but the beyond uh, compensation yes. total reward survey that we did, we have a ton of great data there. And it's funny that people are putting a lot of emphasis on benefits. They are. They are. And it's important to employees. Yeah. So some of this research in here talks about that, how important benefits yeah. are. So I think what why it is, is because there's so much data around compensation. I'm just speculating here. There's so much data on compensation that we can, as an HR person or a CEO of a small company, you you have access to. You mm-hmm. can you know hire a third party like us to run mm-hmm. wage surveys for you. There's other data sets out there that you could purchase. So everybody's kind of at the market as far as like what they're paying at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might have employers like Netflix is the world who need really creative people and engineers to mm-hmm. create a great product. So they might pay above market, but generally most people are just trying to pay that 50th percentile. Right. So then the differentiator is benefits and perks. Yes. That's why there's so much emphasis is because people know that if they go jump job to job, they're probably going to only make mar- on the margin mm-hmm. a little bit more. Right. But what's actually going to 
mean more is the benefits and mm-hmm. it could be flexible work stuff it could be take your dog to work it could right. be massages whatever you know all of the above mm-hmm. right and that's why there's i'm just guessing that's probably why people are rating benefits so highly i think so and i think it's because employers have a lot of discretion and control in this area and candidates and employees have an expectation that an employer is going to respond to what the needs of the business are. Mm -hmm. And some organizations value different things. And so, you know, when we talk about aligning people with companies in terms of culture, that's something they're looking at is if I'm, if I'm looking for an organization that values um, giving back to the community, I want to work for yes. one that maybe offers some time off so that I can go volunteer. Agreed. Yeah. It's funny, you know, similar to the stat you gave about the 84% uh, with high benefit satisfaction report, high job satisfaction, 80% of the workers would prefer new and additional benefits to a pay increase. And that's yeah. 90% for millennials. I'm so not I'm surprised just like, about that. <laughs> you're You're not surprised, but at the same time, I'm like, that's a ridiculous stat. Yeah. Like, so people would rather get more benefits or mm-hmm. new benefits rather than have a pay increase. I think mind blowing. I th- I feel like this probably is there's some assumption maybe and I'm making this up, but that <laughs> these people are at least paid at market because the, yes, I I that's do th- gotta be yeah, yeah I do think that the foundational <clears throat> relationship between employer and employee is the paycheck yep. right so. Yep. As long as that is okay and at market and I feel like I'm being paid fairly, then I think, you know, it is an expectation that, you know, our people are going to want us to continue to stay at market and be creative with our benefits. Yeah. So I, yeah, that's interesting. I it. Yeah. The other thing that's like be, beyond the compensation and, and benefits, there's also the intangible stuff like on the job experience and learning opportunities. And it said that 63% of millennials believe that their leadership skills are not being fully developed. And I wonder if there's some sort of correlation between that and, you know, them not seeing that there's a vision for them and after 2020 and people are going to bail at that point. It they want to be developed be. Yeah, and, and they do. have those opportunities to be leaders. I think so. And I think, um, I think there was a statistic in here that said like only 4% of, of people in leadership positions know how to talk to millennials or know how to work with Bizarre. millennials. That is frightening. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to put in a plug. There's a book, um, <laughs> Millennials in Management. I interviewed Lee Carraher a couple of okay. times on the podcast. That book is great because it does talk a lot about communication with that millennial yeah. group. Does it say that you should just be texting them? And, it, and... No, I think you got to meet them where they're at. <laughs> but I, but I think it's just you got to you got to be open with them. Yeah, they want they're not they're not babies. They no. they want to be treated super like adults. smart. Transparency is important. They care about being tied to the company. Mm-hmm. They want to know that their contributions. Mm-hmm are impacting the greater good. You and I are both millennials and we both feel the same way. We'd rather have transparent and open and honest feedback and all of the, you know, we want to know about financial status. Mm -hmm. We want to know where the business is going, all those things. And I think the more that you can do that in a really open way, millennials will stay around. Yeah, that builds loyalty. And I think it it shows millennials and really all of your your employees that you trust them with that information and you believe that they can make an impact to help grow the, the business. So millennials yeah. aren't aren't all bad. I, I agree. <laughs> well, we could literally go through could. <laughs> this entire report, but we're not because we're out of time. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention is that we are doing a survey of our own. Uh, every year we've done this, mm-hmm. what people want from work survey. It's a really good opportunity to, to ask your employees what they want out of their work. It covers a lot of these areas, it does. Uh, surprisingly. So 
basically what happens is we have the survey bank. We've been doing this for four years now. We'll give you communication to roll out to your employees and then we'll calculate everything and you guys get a, re- a nice free report as mm-hmm. a result of it. And there are some buy-up options and whatnot, but I think the free report gives you a lot of what you need. Absolutely. Yeah. And the more data we have across different industries, different employer exactly. sizes, the better. We've already so. had a great response. So great. it's always nice to get. I'm, I'm trying to push it a little bit more because the more and more data you have, to your point, yeah, we're going to really figure out, we're going to get a pulse on mm-hmm. what the employees really want. Yeah. It's definitely trending. Great. We should yeah. put the link out so for sure. people have it. Yep. Well, thanks for joining, Lisa. This yeah. was fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com. <laughs>